Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 164. And uh, today we are talking about a Kinks song from Preservation Act 2, which is arguably one of their least popular albums, especially at the time. Um, but I think it's it's gained an audience of appreciation in the years since, once you take it out of the 70s and just look at it as a piece of work as a whole. I think it's, uh, it's more favorably bu- viewed today than it's ever been before. Before we do that, though, I want to encourage everyone, swing by facebook.com slash groups slash kinks and beats and join our Facebook group and get some discussions going there. Um, and to let you all know that uh, there are going to be bonus episodes coming out that are going to be exclusively for the folks that are contributing to the podcast. And I know um, we've been having a hard time staying daily, as our name would imply lately, but uh, things are back to normal, so we're going to be back on that schedule. But um, to thank people who have been contributing and keeping this podcast ad-free and just available, you know, it's not free to produce these things, um, we'll be doing exclusive episodes that the rest of you guys aren't going to get until every song is covered. So we're going to have years before you guys will get these bonus episodes. So um, if that's something that you're interested in, in helping us out or in getting these monthly bonuses, um, swing by herohabit.com for that. Okay. Today we're talking about He's Evil by The Kinks, released May 8th, 1974 on Preservation Act 2. And it was released as the B-Sides to Mirror of Love on July 26, 1974, so a couple months later. The single did not chart in America or the UK. It did nothing. And for the single, it's actually the second time Mirror of Love is going to be released in 1974 as an A-side. Um, the first one was kind of a demo version that had Ray on guitar and piano and drums, I think, and then Dave on mandolin, and then some of the horn players and background singers. And it was intended to be more of a demo. They ended up releasing it as an A-side. It's actually a really cool recording that um, may be a little bit better than the release version, to be totally honest. But that single did nothing. So then fast forward to July, they released the version that's on the album that we all know now um, with He's Evil as the B-side. But they do no promotion for the single, and um, record reviewers totally ignore it. So there's really no chance on earth that this uh, this single would chart. But considering the style that Mirror of Love and He's Evil are, and considering the landscape of 1974 record charts, I don't think I don't think any amount of promotion would have um, charted this single. So for a lot of people, unless you own this album. And I I wager there's even a lot of Kinks fans that have skipped this one. Um, This is a pretty rare track, and it's a pretty cool track. It's the third track on the second of four sides. It's a double disc um, uh, album, and this is the third track on side two of four. 
And it's a pretty cool rocker, but it still maintains this theatrical vibe um, that Ray is producing into this project. And a lot of that vibe comes from having the horn section and the female backing singers and all that kind of stuff. But it's also in the arrangements. And we'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about the harmonic structure. But the arrangements are also leaning more theatrical. And I would say a little bit ahead of their time. Because at this point um, in the theater scene, we've had a couple rock musicals, Grease, Hair, um, Bye Bye Birdie, I guess, if you could call that a rock musical, even though that's still more of a traditional musical, even though it's about a rock star. Um, But, you know, we haven't had a lot of rock musicals in the mainstream. And he's kind of writing the template for what a lot of musicals will do in the future. And so I think even if these weren't hugely commercially popular albums, I think they did have some sort of influence on the generation of composers that were going to write for the stage in this particular style, because it's, it's not a style that we've heard prior to this to have a Dixieland band with, you know, hard rock electric guitars um and almost you know uh, uh music hall female background singers it's a very weird combination that i is distinctly ray davies but you know will come into uh, more acceptance further down the line um the song structure and rhythm track almost have a super tramp sound and i think that's probably the electric piano that drives it that's giving me that feel but even some of the twists and turns that the structure takes and then the buildup at the end, uh, it kind of gives me a super tramp feel, especially when they were more progressive rock and less um, Breakfast in America era. I wish they'd done it without the female backing vocals, though. Dave is doing some great harmonies in the background. I, maybe some of his uh, best background vocals are on this track actually. And he's doing the uh, almost like a Beach Boys background vocal that gets lost. And then you've got the harmony of the women coming in and at least the way they're arranged, it makes the recording a little corny because they're not singing in the rock style. Ray's singing in the rock style. Dave is doing this very traditional rock backing vocal counter melody. And then you've got the women coming in and it's very vaudevillian. And I think it takes it a little over the edge. Like we have enough vaudeville by having a tuba on this recording. We don't need to add these, um, this style of female backing vocals. I would have rather heard it be a more rock vocal. And then we get to the refrain and the refrain's a cool build. It all drops down back to, you know, the original electric piano opening and builds and builds and builds on top of just this repeated refrain. I love that part. Almost has a jam band feel without dragging on for 19 minutes. And Dave's lead guitar on this. Very cool lead guitar. Love his tone. You know, you can say what you want about Dave. You know, I think he's a great guitar player, um, a good songwriter and all that. But I think where he's underrated in some respects is his tone. This dude is a chameleon and you listen to 30 years worth of kinks records and you can hear how often he changes his guitar tone and it always fits with the times you know he seems like he's always been aware of what the other guitar players were doing um and it and it fits 
the style that that Ray is adopting for whatever album and all that kind of stuff. But he uses all these different guitar tones over the Kinks catalog. And um, they're all great, even though they're distinctly different. And and to his detriment, I think sometimes it makes his lead lines less identifiable. You know, we all know when Clapton's playing a guitar solo because he's had basically the same guitar tone for 50 years. You know? Um, but with Dave, because he's changing all the time, like, you know, when he's playing the riff rock, you know, it's Dave Davies, but when he's just shredding, there's nothing really to stick to because he's always changing. I personally like that, but I think it's partially why he is underrated as a guitar player because he's not always so familiar. Anyway, that was a tangent, maybe for a bonus episode. Um, but I love his tone on this, on this part, both in the rhythm and the lead. It's good stuff. So harmonically, we'll get to this part. Harmonically, uh, the song is pretty standard Ray Davies. Chord progression is fairly simple, uses basic chords, but then he slips in a couple little oddities that create some good hooks. And that's what Ray does best. He sticks to majors and minors. He'll throw in the occasional seventh, but he doesn't deviate from that very often. Um, That said, some of his use of these basic chords is unparalleled. Like He writes beautiful chord changes and and beautiful melodies on top of them. I'm not using this as a criticism. It's just how it is. The main riff of the verse, we're going to say the songs in C because for the most part it is. Uh, the main riff, he's just going to C chord to G chord to B flat to F. Now the B flat isn't a part of C major scale, but essentially that he's kind of borrowing that chord Um Classical music theory analysis doesn't really apply to this particular thing. Um, Because basically what he's doing is he's just working down in fourths. So he hits the C chord. He goes down a fourth to G. Then he hits a B flat. He goes down a fourth to F. And if you're playing power chords, um, he's just going from the third fret to the third fret to the first fret to the first fret. The C's on the third fret of the fifth string. G's on the third of the sixth. B flat's the first fret of the fifth string. So he could have done that all day. Right, he could have done that all the time. Um, so that's not really a total deviation from the the scale. And B flat is if we're if we're playing a rock song, the flat seven. So I mean it's not too far off. So that's all he's doing there. Nothing big. Um uh, he's done stuff like that before. It's not crazy. Then when he gets to the he'll treat you rough portion, he shifts to the four chord, then a six, then back to four, but with a flat seventh on top, and then the two. All right. So to explain that, he goes an F chord, which is your four, then an A minor, which is your six, then an F seven, which is still technically a four, but we're borrowing that. Uh, it, it's really a uh what would that be that'd be a f- nothing really it's not really it's the totally borrowed chord it would be the the f- the five of the flat seven i mean it's not really a thing um so we're basically borrowing that e flat and then a, a d minor which is the two and what that does is we've got um uh a kind of a descending chromatic line. So from F to E, we're on F, 
and then the E, because that's the fifth of A minor. Then the E flat, because that's the seventh in the F7 chord. Then to D, because that's the root of the D minor chord. So you just do. But he's got all these other chords built around that. Whoops. And that D minor is kind of a cool trick. I don't think most people would have gone to D minor there um, to get to that D. So that's a cool little hook. But still, nothing crazy. He's done this kind of stuff before. Uh, it's it's nothing out of the ordinary for Ray. But then we get to, and once you're in there, um, and once you're in, there'll be no getting out, and then the lookout section. And this is where we see an unusual Ray chord with an F augmented. And what this means is that he's taking the fifth of the F chord, which in this case is a C, and raising it a half step to C sharp. So instead of playing an F chord, he's playing an F augmented. And this is a very George Harrison guitar uh, chord. Um, so now instead of the chord being FAC, it's FAC sharp. And then from there, he goes to a D minor chord. And that chord is D, F, A. Okay, so we go, so there's only one note difference between the F augmented and the D minor. So he's basically using this F augmented chord to slide in to a D minor chord. So that's kind of cool. That F augmented, that's, that's a little bit less common for, um, for Ray to use, except when he's trying to be theatrical. He's really expanding his chord palette with some of these tunes, um, on the rock opera concept album, theatrical kind of stuff. That's about it. You know, it, it's basically, there's three different kinds of uh, sections to this song. And then he just repeats them and mixes them up and um, strips them down and builds them back up. And there's, you know, it's, it's like a lot of the songs on this album. We talked about it um, when we talked about shepherds of the nation with a lot of the songs on this album, it's more about the arrangement than the actual um, foundation of the song. And that's where Ray's genius is really coming through on this album is these arrangements that I think are overlooked because in a lot of sense, um, the lyrical content of this album gets in the way of some really strong musical content. Overall, this is a highlight of act two for me. Uh, and in fact, this side side two might be my favorite side because it also contains Scum of the Earth, Second Heart, Second Hand, Car Spiv, and Mirror of Love, which despite them all being pretty weird tunes, are among my favorites of this album. Uh, eventually, we'll do a full episode on this album. And a lot like our chat about Act One, I'm not going to bag on it nearly as much as some critics, although I do think the album should have been condensed down a lot. And it can be a difficult listen at times. But um, there's still enough quality music on here for a fan of music okay if you're only a fan of the hard rock and kinks i get why you may not like this um this is a very specific era in their catalog that can be tough to digest sometimes but overall i think it's a worthy listen and and there are times you know i i've made a lot of my living as a musician working in theater 
And so I have a, a soft spot for some of these theatrical things. I also want to pose a question to y'all. Give me a call, 925-494-1739. I'm asking this question. This was suggested to me. What is one song in the Kinks or Beatles or solo catalogs that over the years you've changed your opinion on? So maybe it's a song when you were in high school that you hated. Now that you're an adult, you're like, well, this is actually a fantastic song. Or vice versa, a song that you love that now you're looking at it like, this is total garbage. You know, um, give me one of each if you want. Give me one from each band. I don't care. I, I want to know though, what is a song from any of these catalogs, Beatles, Kinks, Solo, Beatles, Solo, Kinks, that you have changed your opinion on um, as you've gotten older, positively, negatively, either way. And um, I don't want to hear songs you're sick of, right? Like, You'll get a lot of people that are like, yeah, Yesterday's a great song, but it's so overplayed. I've heard it a billion times. I'm tired of it. That doesn't mean you've changed your opinion on the song. You're just tired of it. I want to hear something that you have a new appreciation or depreciation for um, as you've gotten older. So again, give me a call, 925-494-1739, and we'll use these answers as a bonus episode that you will get um, without being a donor. This will be a, a bonus episode for everybody. All right? Um, all right. I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and keep downloading. Have a great day. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by herohabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.